Let's start with a word of prayer. Father God, we give to you praise, glory, honor. Everything that we are is yours. Every breath we take is a breath you've given to us. Every day of health, every ability we have to even gather here in this place is given to us by God Almighty, the omniscient, the omnipotent, the omnipresent. And so we praise your holy name, for you are worthy of all the praise we can give you. We lay our hearts before you this morning in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So we begin our Christian life. And, and as we do that, we feel the presence of God, don't we? When you, when you come to know the Lord, you just know that He is there, and Scripture starts to come to life, and you start to understand what's there in God's Word, and, and you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, and you are excited, aren't you? The day you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, and you realize that your sins are completely washed away, the guilt is gone. It's, it's one of the most amazing days of our lives, isn't it? We begin to do all that we're called to do as Christians, to live out what we now understand our Creator and Savior has called us to do. And as, as a few months go by, a few years go by, and, and we go to a different place, or, or we're, we're in a different place in our lives, and, and we start to wonder, what's, what's God doing? And, and our our journey might start to become a little dry. Has anybody here ever experienced that? Have you ever felt that way? Like, where are my prayers going? What, what is God's will for my life? I really wish that he would just tell me directly what I should do and where I should go. What should I do in this situation? Or, or that one over there. Uh, do I take this job? Which college should I go to? Which one is going to be the, the best one for the future that God has for me? Should I buy a house? Which, if so, which one? God just, just... Why won't God just reveal a clear, specific will for my life right where I am now? Where is God these years later where I am now. It's kind of like when you take off on a missions trip and you're really excited about it at the beginning and then after a little while the hardships come and the difficulties come and you're going, why, Lord, am I teaching this Bible lesson to these kids and they aren't even listening to me? The passage before us reminds us that God is there. That God is in the knows. God is in the yeses, and God is even present in the I don't know. God is in the knows as much as he is in the yeses. He's in, even in the I don't know times. And through it all, we are called as believers to walk in what we do know, and being ready to respond when God calls. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, we're going to start in verse 6. Let's go ahead and stand up for the reading of God's Word. Acts 
Acts 16, verse 6, it says, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, setting sail from Choas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and following day to Neapolis, from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. The reading of God's word. Go ahead and be seated. When Paul began his Christian walk, do you remember it began with an encounter with God? Right? He was on that Damascus road in chapter 9 of Acts, and, and he, he fell down, there was that audible voice of God, like thunder. A clear call upon his life. And then again, in chapter 13, we hear the voice of God, the Spirit of God, saying to set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work to which he had called them, to, to share that gospel message with the Gentiles. Now, from that call of the Holy Spirit... As we've been reading, we, we see that without any direct voice, simply knowing God's general will for them to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, we, we see that they embark on their mission. They go to Seleucia, Cyprus, Salamis, Paphos, Antioch, Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, Pamphylia, Perga. They go to all these different places. They share the gospel there everywhere they go. They debate the Judaizers, as they said that the Gentiles have to be circumcised to be real believers. They teach, they preach, and they share the decisions of that second Jerusalem council with other people and other churches. And then from there, Paul plans a second missionary journey. All of these things without another audible voice from God. From that last declaration of the Spirit in chapter 13 until the call of this Macedonian man here in chapter 16, they simply worked from what they knew of God and his will. Because the Christian walk is far less often one of direct revelation and, and more often one of walking in what we already know of God and his will from what he's already revealed to us in his word. A life of strategic planning based upon what we know, with a continued sensitivity to God's Holy Spirit 
as we grow in our knowledge of God and his will from his word. See, Paul knew God's Acts chapter 1 verse 8 call. He knew that call to bear witness, empowered by the Spirit, to bear witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So he made plans knowing that God would be in the midst of those plans. Knowing God's call general, knowing God's call for him to be the missionary to the Gentiles, the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul just made plans with what he knew God had called him to do. And he started to walk in those things. And, and as Paul goes upon this second missionary journey, and, and things don't go the way Paul thought they should, Paul recognizes right away that it was God's no. When Paul planned to share the gospel in Asia, Paul recognizes that it is God saying, no, you aren't to do it here. Look with me at verse 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. We don't know how this no was revealed. Was it an audible voice that he received? From what we've seen so far in the book of Acts, when the Spirit speaks or it's a prophetic word, Luke specifies that for us, doesn't he? And here in, in this verse, we simply see that it is forbidden by God's Holy Spirit. Or in the next verse, it is not allowed by the Spirit of Jesus. So, so was it revealed through circumstances? So often, God's will for our lives is revealed through circumstances, isn't it? Was it a storm that prevented them from going into Asia? Was it a blocked road? Was it that red light that you hit every morning on your way to work that makes you late and it's so frustrating, or is some combination of that? Whatever it was, he made no mention of direct revelation here. But somehow, it was God's Holy Spirit that forbade them from going into Asia and preaching the gospel. Paul accredited it to the Holy Spirit. And so what did Paul do? He gave up and he went back to Jerusalem. Come on now, you have your Bibles with you, right? Verse 7, And they went, and when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So they made these other plans, and again, God says, No. Not there either. And again, Paul recognizes that his life this whole gospel mission and call, it all belongs to Jesus Christ. The Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. No, God says to Asia. No, God says to Bithynia. So what does Paul do? Paul makes other plans. Verse 8. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Plan after plan after plan. Why didn't Paul get shaken or worn out 
or just go back to Jerusalem and say, why God? Why did you even bother giving me this mission to be the apostle of the Gentiles? Why don't I just go home? Because Paul knew the God that he served. Do we know the God that we serve? Do we know the God that we serve? See, Paul knew that according to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Paul understood that God is present in all circumstances. From, from the general thoughts of Psalm 139, where, where it says, oops, uh, there's Proverbs 16.9, and there's Psalm 139. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I free from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me words of David regarding just God's omnipresence and his loving care for David. And Paul knew this, that God is everywhere, and there's nowhere Paul could go that God would not be there. God, uh, Paul even knew that of Jesus' specific promise from the Great Commission. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, Paul knew that if he made plans in accord with God's general will, his general call upon his life, God would be there. Beyond the shadow of a doubt, God would be there in the midst of those plans. And he understood that that God is there in the no just as much as God is present in the yes. And that God is even there at the times when when we throw up our hands and we, we say, I don't know. Verses 9 through 10. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Finally, uh, the voice of God, right? Finally, Paul gets this after this no and the no and then going to Troas. Finally, God says, yes, this is where I want you to go. But where exactly? And Macedonia is a large area of land in northern Greece. And the, the man says, help us! It's not exactly specific, is it? Did that mean they needed a team like what we sent to Houston, where they needed people to build houses? Or, or like the team we sent to Memphis, who, who taught a, a Bible school for the children in the area who needed that? What, 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 did, what, did, what exactly does help us mean in Macedonia, this, this huge area? I mean, there were a lot of major cities there in Macedonia. Where should we go? Neapolis? Philippi? Apollonia? Berea? Thessalonica? Where? But knowing God's call upon their lives, 
and the gifts that God had given them, having a general idea as to where to go, they conclude that God has called them to preach the gospel to them. I love how, how Luke wrote that. They conclude. They see this vision, right? Paul gets this vision, and then they have to talk about it. They sit down and they go, okay, here's what we know about what God has called us to do, and here's what we've seen in this vision. So now we conclude that God has called us to that area to preach the gospel to them. And coming to their own conclusions and knowing that Philippi was a leading city in that area, they, de- they decide to pass through Neapolis and go straight to Philippi. Verses 11 through 12, it says, So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. For some days. They go there, they go straight there, and they, they're there for some days. Later we see in the next verse that they suppose that there's a place of prayer down by the river. Verse 13. It says, And on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together there. In this passage there's a lot of I don't know surrounding this specific call of God. Sometimes we, as Christians, have to make a choice within what we do know of God's will and his call upon our lives. We are called to live for him right where we are in the midst of the I don't know. Knowing only that God will be there. Because he is there. And let God work in us and through us, wherever we might be. Uh, Out of these, I don't know, circumstances, we're going to look and see that there are two significant movements of God's Holy Spirit here in this passage. And no, I'm not talking about the call, the vision of the Macedonian man. There are two things that God does here in this passage that that are wonderful. What do you mean? I don't see anything that big here, do you? A lot of traveling, about 500 miles, most of it on foot, some of it by ship. A lot of no's from God. No, don't go to Asia and preach the gospel. No, don't go to Bithynia. One vaguely specific call of the Spirit, go to Macedonia. And then they wait in the city for some days, and and having to guess where there might be a gathering of God-fearers or Jews down by the river, Maybe, maybe they're down there. We suppose there might be. Because there was apparently no synagogue there. I'm sure they arrived in the city of Philippi and they went, What now, Lord? We always go to the synagogue. Why did you call us here? We're in Philippi and there's no synagogue. What? Why here? Days and miles gone by only to reach one lady and her family with the gospel message down by the river. It's a passage filled with no's and and I don't know's, and yet, in the midst of it, God moves in two wonderful ways. 
Look with me carefully here. Let's start in verse 6 again. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to, up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had, preached, had called us to preach the gospel to them. Did you see it? Did you see what God did there? They went to the region of, region of Phrygia, Galatia. They came up to Mysia. They attempted to go. God did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul. Uh, come over to Macedonia, verse 10. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go. It goes from they to we, right here in this passage. It, it's easily missed, isn't it? When they got to Troas, Paul, Silas, Timothy, their, their whole company, they picked up somebody special. They picked up Luke, the man who wrote this book for us. And it goes from they did this, they did that, to we. And Luke is added to their company. It's easily missed, but because of what happens in this passage, because they went to Troas like they did, they pick up Luke, this, this physician, a man of intellect, a man of organization. And because they pick up Luke, we end up getting two books of the New Testament that bear witness to the truth of the events and works surrounding Jesus Christ and the building up of his church body. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. I just love how Luke introduces his first book. He says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the events that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. This is Luke. Perhaps Luke was waiting in Troas. He, he was just waiting to be signed on as a ship's doctor in that port city. We don't know exactly where they picked him up. But, but they, we do know that they were there at a day and time necessary to gain him to their company. Why were they there on that day and time? Because God said no. God said no twice. So they ended up in Troas at the day and time that they did. Instead of staying in Asia, instead of going to Bithynia, they ended up in Troas while Luke was there. They didn't see it at the time, but God did have a specific plan in mind. And that plan was Luke. And I'm pretty sure that 
none of them, even Luke, recognized the significance of what God was doing at that time because I'm sure Luke might have made more of his joining that party right there if he had known. But he simply goes from they to we. God did a great thing in what he was doing. Through the no's, through the yes, and through the, 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 I don't know, having to come to their own conclusions and supposing there might be a place down by the river. Uh, so they picked up Luke, and they continued on. And, and then having concluded, having supposed, and, and having strategically planned where they might go and share the gospel, they share the gospel with Lydia don't they? Verses 14 and 15, it says, One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, her and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you judge me faithful by, to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Again, God works in a wonderful way. All those miles traveled, all these things going on, and they share the gospel that this one lady and this one household comes to faith. But think about it. They're in Philippi. And from this first conversion, from this first person to be faithful to the Lord, comes one of Paul's greatest blessings. And then, a letter for us to read and be encouraged by. We have the church in Philippi that develops from this moment. We have a church family who provides for Paul to continue in the work that he had been called to, a church family who loves him and loves the gospel and shares in it with him. Paul later writes to them in Philippians 1, 3 through 8, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Wow, I sure hope somebody can say that of us someday. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Do you think the church at Philippi was a blessing to Paul? He yearned for them. He loved them. Out of this deviation from where Paul thought they should go and share the gospel, Paul receives from that a church family who supported him at every turn and in every way that they could. Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 to 18, it says, it was kind of you, Paul's speaking to the Philippians again, to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. 
Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. The Philippians were a huge influence on Paul's ministry, a huge support to Paul and his ministry. Who, If Philippi had not jumped in and helped Paul while he was even in Thessalonica, maybe he would have had to have gone back to Jerusalem for lack of support. But the Philippians stepped up and stepped in. And that church was planted because God directed him there with no's. No, don't go there. No, don't go there. Go here instead. More often than not, we are called to walk in the general will and call of God upon our lives. To to plan strategically and then to let God work in the time and the days. Realizing that, that sometimes we don't get to see the specific will of God until it's already played out. Like we get to look back and see with Luke or with Lydia in the church at Philippi. Are we, as individuals, as a church family right now, are we walking in what we do know of God and his will? Or are we we busy waiting for something more specific? I'm just going to wait until God gives me something really clear that I should be doing right now. I know God's word says share the gospel, and I know God's word says this and it says that, but I'm just going to wait until God really just gives me that vision. Are we walking right now, strategically planning, sensitive to God's spirit, but walking in what we do know of God and his will? Not waiting for something more specific, but acting on what he has already told us. It's like that old joke. Ever hear the one about the man who was warned of an imminent flood in his area? Sounds familiar, doesn't it? And and, and he was was sitting in his living room, and it starts to rain, and, and some friends drive by in a car, and they stop, and they say, we have space. Come on, get in the car. We'll get you out of town. And he says, no. The hand of God will save me, If I'm really in some kind of danger, I trust in the Lord and he will save me. I'll wait for him to come and save me. So they drive off. And the floodwaters start to rise. And so he gets uh, up into the second story of his house. And and, uh, some people come by in a boat. And they say, come on, get in the boat. The water's rising. The flood's horrible. Get in the boat. And he says, no, I know that God will save me if I'm really in some kind of imminent danger. I will wait for something from the hand of God and and a vision from him. And so they boat off. Finally, the waters rise. He's on the roof of his house, and a helicopter comes by. They lower a ladder. Come on, climb up. And he says, no. If I'm really in danger and the flood's going to rise that high, God will save me. And so they helicopter off. Finally, the floodwaters rise, and he drowns, and he ends up in heaven, and he says, God, why didn't you save me? And God says, I sent a car, a boat, and a helicopter. We wait sometimes so long for God to reveal something very, very specific, and we want God to work in the way we want him to work, and God is saying, I already told you what I expect of you, what I want you to be doing. 
Do it where you are. What are we waiting for? When God does call, are we ready to respond the way that Paul does? They, they saw that vision of the man from Macedonia, and then in verse 10 it says, And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia. God called, God made it clear, we're going. We don't know everything yet, but we're going. Are we ready to respond to God's call right where we are, living out our, that Acts chapter 1, verse 8, to bear witness right where we are or wherever God might lead? And in doing so, bear fruit in the lives of the Lukes and the Lydias that God brings our way just in our daily life. We may never know whose life we have affected for Christ. Just like they didn't realize it at the moment, picking up Luke was going to make such a difference for us 2,000 years later. But we will never affect people's lives for Christ if we don't start just living out our faith right where we are. Living out our faith through the confusing times, through the lack of clarity, through the empty feelings of wondering, what is God doing now in my life? Knowing that God is in the no. Just as much as God is in the yes, and he is even present in the I don't know. Because he does not leave us, and he does not forsake us. He is with us even to the end of the age. And think about things like, like, who would have thought that a decree of Caesar Augustus for a census to be taken would be so important, so significant to the work and plan of God in bringing us the Savior? How that would connect to Scripture would, would be a clarification, a confirmation that Jesus is the Messiah. And, and yet it is. Who would have thought that your prayer with a co-worker or, or a fellow student at school right before finals and they're all stressed out, these people are going through a hard time, who would know that, that doing that with them would bear fruit in their lives? 20 years later, 30 years later, when they look back and they remember, and they're connected with another Christian, and they go, I remember this guy back in at this old job I worked at, and he prayed with me. Now I run into you, and you're a Christian. What is this? And they, that seed you plant, simply by living out your Christian faith right where you are, bears fruit. But you won't know it. But you won't plant that seed if we don't live out our faith where we are. We need to remember that we serve the God who is present in all creation and holds it together at this very moment. Nehemiah 9.6, you are the Lord, you alone. You have made the heaven and the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them. And the host of heaven worships you. Hebrews 1.3, he, Christ, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Think of the significance of those words. Right now, if Christ wanted to, he could let it go. And we wouldn't be. But right now, we are because he is. And he's holding it together by his word of power. That's how imminent 
God is with us. He's a God whose, whose love is inseparable from his children. John 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Romans 8, 38, 39, I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is not only imminent and there and holding you together, he loves you immensely, and he will not let you go. He's the God who guards and guides the footsteps of his children, even when we don't begin to realize it. The God whose spirit abides in us. Not just when you're at church. God's spirit lives in the believer right where you are. And as as we get up, we sing the last hymn, you hear the benediction, and you go out the door. Where's God? He's with you right where you are because he lives in you. And you go home and you go to sleep and you get up and it's Monday and you have to go to work. Where's God? Right there where you are. You have to go to school. I know it's starting all over again, isn't it? God himself goes with you. Knowing these things about him and and how great a salvation we have in Christ Jesus, do we still wait for something specific? Or are we chasing after the things that God has already called us to? Allowing him to work in the no and the yes and and the I don't know. One year ago, to this very day, in seven hours, my family and I drove into the parking lot. Believe me, there were a lot of questions in our hearts. Before that journey began, there was a lot of searching out the will of God, wondering what was God doing? really wanting some very specific things from God. And we we said to the Lord, if this is what you want, there's just a a lot of things that are going to have to come together for us. And and we want you to make it abundantly clear, Lord. Lord. Lord, just tell us in an audible voice what we should do. And God said, no. There was no audible voice. There was no vision of a Philadelphian man saying, come help us. (laughs) So he said to the Lord, well, we know there's there's certain things that have to come together. Pam's parents' house is going to have to sell really quickly. This was April. We were coming to visit here in April, and then June I was preaching, and and from there we'd see where it went, but this was April. Well, Pam's parents went on the house uh, on the market, their house went on the market on a Saturday. By the end of the day, it had three valid offers, one of which was for more than what they were asking. 
We didn't have a chance to get back to the realtor that day, but that's okay because by the next day, there was another offer for even more than that offer, which got them really close to the amount that they had to sell for in order to be taken care of where they are now. We didn't, they needed to settle it quickly because we might be here. Well, the, the people who made that offer wanted to settle in 30 days. They wanted a quick escrow. They wanted to take the house as it was, and they didn't make a single request of us. Not one. In that, God said, yes. Friends had come out of the woodwork to help us get the stuff out of the house and and get it all cleaned up and ready. And, And we said to the Lord at that point, well, Lord, if you really want this, when, when the vote comes down to it, we're throwing out the fleece here, 90%. If it's 89%, it's flat out, no, we are not moving across the country. 90%, Lord, we really need to see that. I can't move my family across the country at less than that. And, and when I received that call on that Sunday, it was 94 God said yes. Some of you might want to change your vote now, but (laughs) it's too late. God gave us some answers, didn't he? But not all of them. There's still some, some things we wonder about. There was no audible voice, but it was clear enough for us to walk in the things that God has called us to. He he was saying, do what I've shown you to do, and I will handle the rest. Sometimes the answer will be no, sometimes the answer will be yes, sometimes you will have to move forward in the I don't know. But I will be there, and I will be working through you, through the time, through the days, in all of it. God worked through people, he worked through circumstances, and he worked through the movement of his Holy Spirit. Did we have all the answers then? No. Do we have all the answers now? No. But we all know, don't we, from God's word what he has called us to. We know God's will for our lives where we are. And that he will be present, knowing his character and how great a salvation we have, that he will be present and working through it all. So as a church family, let's come together. Alden Union Church. Right where we are in life, at work, at school, at home, in our soil, that sphere of influence lives that we have, Wherever God has you today or tomorrow, he will not leave you or forsake you. Let's, let's walk out. Let's step out and, and live out our knowledge of God and his will, our call upon our lives to bear witness to, God, to the gospel of Jesus Christ where we are. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you that you do not leave us and you do not forsake us and you are with us through everything. As we live with you, we, we live with you in us. Lord, help us to plan strategically, to, to plan 
with a sensitivity to your spirit, but to plan, to know that you will ultimately guide those steps. We thank you, Father, for your guidance. We thank you, Lord, for the no's that protect us when we don't see it. We thank you, Lord, for the no's that guide us to places where we should be when we don't even realize we should be there. We thank you, Lord, for the yeses that give us a little bit of something to, to hold on to, and yet you give us the I don't knows that, that forces us to, to think and carry on and, and be beholden to you. We need you. We cannot function in and of ourselves apart from you and still fulfill your will. Help us, Lord, to be dependent upon you, to love you, to cherish you and walk with you. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.